This is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. Today, we have with us uh, Jason Scott. And Jason has been serving full-time in the local church since 1993. Um, He's been small churches, mega churches. He uh, graduated from Auburn University and Asbury Theological Seminary. And right now he is working at Roswell United Methodist Church in Roswell, Georgia, as well as uh, founding the ministryfinder.com. So um, before we kind of just Q&A here for a minute, um, Tell us just overview real quick. What is uh, the Ministry Finder? Yeah. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Hey, Ann. Glad to be here, Chris. Um, we, um, you know, been doing this ministry thing for a long time and, and serving youth ministry. And, and one of the toughest things about this process is the process, is the hiring process, is, is how do we go about finding jobs and, and churches, finding the right people. And remember back when certain you know, websites have hundreds and hundreds of youth pastor jobs on them. Uh, and then I always, I always was great. It was grateful to think that there's a place that you can go and have all these jobs on there. But the thought that there are hundreds and hundreds of open jobs all the time, uh, made me think that the process has got to be tough. So, um, so we, uh, in, in, in trying to make that a little bit easier, better for people who have been hiring, I've hired, you know, over the years and been hired. Uh, one of the ways, especially with technology and the Internet and, and being able to go into job sites, um, most you just go on and there's a there's a either a two paragraph posting of a job or there's a PDF or a something and you don't get a sense of the church. Then you have to then start digging around. Everyone goes Facebook stalking people, <laughs> every applicant you get, every resume you get, every church you're going for, you know, you call your friends. And, and so we just think, what if we could put some of that up front for people and, uh, and for churches and those who are looking for jobs, um, ministry positions to, and not just churches, any ministry, whatever, that you create a profile for yourself. So, so much like, you know, all the other social media sites, those kind of things, you can create the profile as extensive or as little as you want. And then the person gets to know a little bit more about the church, a little bit more about, um, or the ministry that they're looking for, uh, or the, the, church or ministry that's looking can do the same for people. They, they can go through the search, the collective of people there that have uh, their profiles or their maps. You know, we have a map search on there, all kinds of things. They can find maybe um, be a little bit proactive about finding people instead of waiting just to, for the resumes that you receive. Yeah. Kind of thought that would be a, a good thing. Yeah. So, you know, kind of along those lines, um, when when you're talking to churches about posting positions, right, um, what are a couple of tips uh, that you'd give to a church to help them create a realistic description of the position and the expectations of it? Yeah, um, I tell you, uh, one of the things that's a big and, and, you know, there are some. And when I find there's some older 
uh, older generation pastors or thinking pastors, whatever, who are afraid to put salaries on postings. Mm -hmm. And today's generation, today's marketplace, it's a really big deal. Even if it's a range, you know, right. that's a, and you, you don't ever want to start with money. You know, I've always, I was always taught this job you want, you go for it, you search it, money will come later, talk later. Yeah. But you get into that position and you realize it's a $10,000 pay cut from where you are right now. And they never told you that. So yeah. Being, and, you know, money might come later, but the bills come right away. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Especially if you don't have a current job, you know, that's the thing. Right. So, um, so, it, it, it takes away a lot of that time as well. We're trying to streamlining the process, making sure people up front with what they are, are looking for. Um, if you're if you're a ministry posting a job, be succinct, but be a, thorough enough that that answers a lot of the questions. It takes away your time to have to keep answering the same questions over and over. So you don't want to be too thorough that they're going to skim through this 12 page document of a job description, but when they go to look for a job, but everyone, no one ever wants to talk about it. So yeah. that would be what and, I would say. You know, I, I agree. And there's always flexibility if you find the most amazing person in the world. But ultimately, most, most of the time, it is what it is. And I can't yep. tell you the number of times I have had friends spend all kinds of time Bringing the person in, taking them out to dinner, only to find at the very end that they just can't possibly afford them. Yeah. And yeah. and then you've gotten a, a candidate that's gone through and everybody's been really excited about, but you didn't realize, oh, you were talking to a candidate that is twice as expensive as you can afford. But now everybody's expectations have been set yeah. at that level. So when you start then bringing in people yeah. you really can't afford, you're like, well, they're like, they don't have as much experience as that other person. You're like, well, yeah, I'll tell you, we can't afford that. I'll tell experience. you an amazing story. We, uh, we were hiring a couple of years ago, um, uh, received the normal traditional process, receiving applicants, whatever we have our own application and, and like most applications job, uh, it would say salary requirements or salary expectations. Mm -hmm. Right. And a lot of people don't fill that out or they'll say, you know, negotiable or whatever. Uh, and I understand that from the seekers perspective, because right. that's that you, you, you have a lot more say so churches, the salaries are usually set. I mean, it's usually, it's a set thing, which I would also say, by the way, don't ever max out your salaries. If you have $50,000 to pay somebody and you go for 50,000, when that person's up for a raise and they're going to deserve a raise soon, something's going to motivate them to stay. You don't have money anymore to do that. And, yeah, and right. that sounds like a very small thing, but small raises along the way help people feel yeah. validated and feel affirmed. Yeah. And so if you've maxed your budget out, you're like, Oh, that's all we got. Cause we wanted to get you here with that. It, it hurts you in the long run. Anyway, had a guy <laughs> apply for an assistant youth pastor job. This is an entry level job. And, um, and we were taking applications, you know, from immediate graduates of college and, and no experience, little experience, Get one one application from a guy who had just graduated seminary or is about to graduate seminary, would have by the time we start the job. And um, he didn't put salary expectations on it. And we talked to him. He didn't have any experience. He had volunteered for one year while in college, not in seminary, with a youth program at his school. Um, and so we talked to him and he wasn't, you know, but I, I like 
you know, if you send a resume, I really want to have a conversation because you mm-hmm. thought about this job enough that I want to have a conversation with you at least. And so um, talk to him. And I said, well, you didn't put sour down. What are you thinking, you know, about that? Where are you on that? He said, you know, I don't know. I have to talk to my wife and we'll pray about that. And I'll let you know. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. I didn't think much more about it. He called me the next day and told me that um, he and his wife prayed about it a lot. That's poor. And he was going to need about $75,000 for the position. That's what he and his his wife were doing. That's what they felt like their family needed for this job. And I, I, I think I may have dropped the phone, you know, yep. in, uh, in, in my response accidentally. Um, but sometimes people just, I think the, the issue there is you may not have done the research about what right. that job normally pays, what yes. that market really is for that position. So, yeah. you know, our $40,000, dollars $40, job wasn't going to quite pay 75. Anyway, yeah. Do your homework, I think I guess, when you were talking about those descriptions, yeah. you know, one of the things that I think is really helpful is if your church has some sort of like specific, really important position on a controversial issue, um, go ahead and name it up front. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Claim it because that's an, I, I know that m- I have been burned by that personally and yeah. I've, I've seen candidates in the same in the same way have no idea from the description. It was all, you know, roses, and yeah. then they got to the end of the process, and they found out that one of the things, one of their core commitments, uh, was the exact opposite as the church. And man, or worse. I've actually, I had a friend who hired a person without having any of that conversation. They showed up and they realized, oh, well, we are a complete mismatch, but we've already moved somebody out here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they rough. say you've, uh, w- one of the rules of thumb is that you should spend at least eight hours with the person before you hire them. I mean, if we went across the board and asked, I mean, people got that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we're really had eight hours with, a. Uh, with a with a candidate before you hired them, uh, a lot of the times we have an hour. Sometimes you know we'll have yeah. an interview, we'll have a resume, and uh, maybe a second interview for a little bit longer. But that's about it. But um, eight hours is was was always everything that I had read before, and and I think there's a thing to that. I mean, once you start spending more time, things come out. People just say things, right? They, you just start talking and, and you get to know people a little bit better, a little bit more. And, and that kind of thing. They're on time like for the said. first meeting, but every other meeting they're 20 minutes late. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah. I, getting to the final point and not knowing that controversial or substantial topic is a big deal, but hiring that person, that's, you know, that's a big deal. That's you can, you, you know, it takes a long time to get over a bad hire. So um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, Jason, your story is making me think of the interview process that I went through for my first ministry job. Oh, I don't think that counts. <laughs> holy cow. You know, like they had at least eight hours with me at this trip. Yeah. And honestly, it was because they had had such a negative experience with the youth minister immediately preceding me yeah. that um, the way that 
this person ended up handling some of their volunteers and some of the relationships that he uh, ended up fracturing uh, because of the way that they ran things. Um, there were some things for me as an applicant that as a young person, I, I probably should have been more aware of, like looking back on it, I wish I had known it now. So let me yeah. flip it on the other side, um, just real quick before we maybe get into the devotional time. And, you know, for those people that are the job seekers, one or two things that you think it's really important for them to be looking at um, in the church, whether that's, you know, the staff team that's doing the interviewing or um, the families that make up the youth ministry, the people who are the big stakeholders. Um, I know we could talk about this forever, but maybe just a couple of those. Yeah, I was, I was going to say in right along with what you're saying about the, about the interview, you walk into an interview, red flags. How about we just mention a couple of red flags that you need to be aware of. Right. Yeah, yeah. You walk into an interview and they start asking you some really weird, specific questions like, hey, what would you do if you were on a mission trip and you had a van and it broke down? And instead, you put every, you let everybody sleep on the side of the road in a van. And you're like, that's oddly specific, isn't it? <laughs> that's something that happened last. Okay, you got to know that. There's a reason this person is asking this question, but it may not be that specific, but a lot of, I've seen my, a lot of interviews that I've even been in, people ask them, how would you handle this kind of, and they were being generic in the situation, but you know that those were the issues. And so um, doing your research, I think by far is the biggest thing. And you can do as much as you can. You hear things, you and get more than one opinion. Uh, I'm literally helping a guy right now get a job uh, around our area, and he's interviewed. I've, I've put him to three different churches, and um, I know him well enough, you know, from, from our interactions that I felt he would do really well at uh, one of them, two of them probably. The third one, it was more of a just kind of go check it out. You might like it. I don't think you're going to like it, but he came back from, the, from that one, yes, one of the other ones, yeah, I kind of like it. And the other one, it was a slam dunk. Everything he wanted, close to his home, pay was good, position, everything, budget. He walked back and said, no, you know, just something weird about it. And so he had done, and he had done some research outside. He had called a couple of people. He knew other people, things around, and they told him some stories about the, about the church that they knew personally. I didn't know. So um, I would have almost encouraged him to go to this church because I didn't know those situations. They're just things you just don't know. But the more research you do, the more things you do, um, you find things out. But ultimately, it comes down to uh, to knowing uh, a few things, uh, being aware and, and knowing, you know, even if there is history at a church, uh, even if it's bad history that that. Um, Okay. It's not going to affect. It's it's not going to dictate what you do. You can still have a difference and make a difference there. But yeah. Well, Jason, thank you again for being here with us yeah. for the recharge. Thank you, guys. Um, we're going to move into that uh, part of our time together. So, um, end of 2018, uh, December 2018, I was uh, I was at my heaviest I had ever been. Um, I was, uh, we won't get into numbers, but I was the heaviest I'd ever been in my weight. Uh, just struggling with a lot of stuff. Um, youthpastordiet.com, right? Download youth ministry has their thing. Much of us know about it. I, I bought into that. I paid, I went in, did it, did it about six weeks and just kind of like everybody else kind of crashed on it. May have lost about, you know, 15, 20 pounds, something like that. Um, then like everybody, Ash Wednesday, Day comes around. And so uh, 
I'm going to make this commitment and I'm going to do lit and I'm going to do real well. And, and that kind of fizzled out. And, um, but we did like most everybody does. And we, we had, uh, we did the discussion and we did the process and I had two middle school girls. Uh, one, well, one was eighth grade, one was ninth grade. And one of them gave up uh, chocolate and their phone for Lent. And the other gave up all social media. And that was a really big deal for that one. Uh, and I just kind of chuckled under my breath saying, yeah, that's not going to last, you know? Um, and fast forward a little bit, we, you know, went through the whole Lent season, did things. Um, I'm, you know, I knew I'd already done this weight things twice already this year, kind of off and on, just still kind of down about it. Easter Sunday comes around. I see both of them. They're together. Uh, so it was an easy, Hey, how is, uh, this would be Easter 2019. So how's the, uh, how was this morning? Get your phones back. Right. I mean, or getting your social media, y'all excited this morning. And they both looked at me and said, hey, don't need it. I'm like, what? So, yeah, you told us whenever we thought about the phones or whenever we wanted chocolate or whatever, you told us to pray or to read our Bible or to listen to a worship song or something and focus on God during that time. And we did that and it worked and it's really awesome. And just realized we don't need those things. And I was like, what? It works. I didn't even know it works. How about that? <laughs> just kidding. Um, but uh, so from that, we were just about to do a new lesson after that. And I was working on it and I went home and the rest of Easter day, I just, mine was rolling about this. I'm like, why can these, these little girls do this and the strength of this and, and what does it mean? In, in a, I mean, it was just this moment, right? I mean, we have these moments and, and so I sat down and I did the uh, the curriculum for the couple of weeks following Easter, and we're looking at it, and and I looked at it and kind of changed some stuff, rewrote some stuff that we we're going to do, and these two words popped up: it was perspective and perception. And I don't know why they hit me so hard, but the idea of perception that it is how we see things, you know, how we see things, and how others see things differently than we do. And that's an obvious thing, but really thinking about that, right? About the how we perceive things and their perception even dictates reality sometimes. But then the idea of perspective. Well, if you dig into the word perspective, if you're an artist or if you're a photographer or if you're any of these things, right? Um, perspective is a big deal. If you move six inches to the right or to the left, the image you're looking at changes. Different perspective. And my goodness, something about that just like clicked with me and this idea of losing weight and my idea of having control and letting this food have control of my life. And I literally had taken away from God this part of my life and given it to something else. And I can't, and I, I don't know, it hit me so well. And at that day, I just changed my mind. That's literally what happened. The idea that we just changed the way I thought about it. My perception changed because my perspective changed on the idea of food. From that day forward, from April 23rd, I believe it was, to December 17th, I lost an additional 83 pounds. 
100 pounds total at that point from the beginning of the year. So 2019, I lost 100 pounds. I, had, I was down 17 from the beginning, from the worst, highest ever. But I hit 100 pounds. That was my goal. And I just, and, and it wasn't hard when I realized that I had been taking this thing and thinking about it totally differently. How does that translate to our life and to Jesus? Well, it, it's the most obvious thing, right? We're always having to take this control and we're always from the point of we're about to do a new series this next three or four weeks on anxiety and worry and anxiousness. And it's just killing our kids and it's getting worse and worse because of all the, you know, all the zoom calls. <laughs> uh, but, and, and we looking up this Greek word, marimna, you know, this, uh, which is, which is in the Bible, and it mentions, uh, it's just this idea of, of worry. So we're going to talk about marimna and, and what that means. And, but it really boils down to trust and control. We, we have to take control. And then at that point, we don't trust ourselves. Instead, we have to trust uh, in God's plan and the fact that we are putting Jesus over our life. Uh, when we do that, worry goes away. It's, it's almost like that same idea of realizing that all we have to do is just change the way we think about things, how we view people. If we are so one-sided on an idea, we're camped out in one area, we're on one tribe so hard, our minds can't change to the perception of another person, whether that be issues of race or sexuality or anything, whatever it is. One time, at, at some point, we swing our pendulum so hard the opposite way that then we don't see the perception and perspective of other people sometimes. And as ministers, especially to ministers to young people who haven't established and don't know these things and they're still gray matter and still all these ideas and things going on, it's just, it's so important that we are able to change our perspective sometimes to see them. And that's, and that's just the word for the day. That's what, that's what really has stuck with me. Um, and it's kind of directed a lot of what we're doing nowadays, just the idea that not everybody thinks the way we think. And we're learning that more and more all the time. And people are seeing that, but, but we can't be manipulative in that and say, well, but we got to make them think our way, or we got to, we all have to jump and do, everybody has to be on this side. Because not everybody's going to be on this side, you know. So I don't know, rambling a little bit about it, but but still, I think it's a it's a it's a great idea and a great thing to imagine um, our perception and how we were at at looking um, at all the aspects of things and not just one side of it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. Uh, that I needed to hear that uh, today. Um, so, you know, I, I hear that first part, right? The first, the beginning of that experience, right? Of changing that perspective. Um, I'm curious, how do you, do you keep going? Like what happens on day 30 or day 60? Um, yeah. when you're sort of drawn back to that original perspective, the sort of deep ruts you've carved in that yeah. way of thinking. Um, what, how did you keep that change going? Well, there were two big things that we, we took on that, uh, 
you know, and, and I think that's the part of, you know, that's the part of Ash Wednesday. That's the part of the idea of giving up. It's, it's disciplines, right? Either giving up or taking on and you're in, in, we try to talk our students into taking on a discipline, whatever it is. And because we know just in basic psychology, repetition uh, equals results. And if you can keep doing something in a way, whether that's reading your Bible every day, you do it for seven days, 21 days, whatever the, you know, whatever the psychology wants to tell you, it becomes a habit. And so if you form these healthy habits, these good habits, then, then they change bad habits. Um, and that was some of the things. One of, the, one of those was, was um, you know, just keeping an eye on, on calorie intake and some of the basic things I was doing. But it sounds silly, but here's what I almost went when I, when I hit my first wall there, like you're talking about, Jeremy, the, the first, first real hard all, you know, a couple weeks in, I was like, I'm, this is not going to do it. I'm not going to let this happen. I almost went, kid you not, went to the tattoo parlor and got IIWI tattooed on my hand, on my right hand, that I'm, that I'm going to grab food and put it in my mouth and put IIWI, is it worth it? You know, is what I'm putting in my mouth right now worth me breaking my promise, breaking my habit, breaking my goal, all these things. I can, I'm, as I put it in my mouth, I was going to literally like put it right across my finger right there so I'd see it. I didn't do it, thank goodness. But uh, I was, I was, I had Googled tattoo shops around my area to go see if I could get it done. Um, but yeah, just, and some things are worth it. You know, that sounds funny, but my daughter made cookies during that process. Am I not going to eat? Of course, I'm going to eat one of my daughter's cookies that she made from scratch, right? Because I don't care about a diet that won't care about her. And it's more important than this is. So, so you know, there's those things. But, um, you know, that's kind of a couple of things. Yeah. Yeah. I, was it I-W-I-I? No. I-I-W-I. Is it worth it? Yeah, you know, I, it might be our new WWJD bracelets, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. I was gonna say somebody that's been around you <laughs> long enough would be like, "Is that the Latin for WWJD?" No. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, Jason, thank you so much for coming, yeah. um, and for spending time with us today. I also want to, um, if I can, uh, offer a question real quick um, that came in, oh, and it has to. It, it goes back to the. Um, um, to the services that you're helping provide, Jason, related to helping yeah. churches and people make you know good matches and think about hiring and transitions and that kind of stuff. And the question from Anne is, if you happen to be leaving your position um, and the qualifier is due to retiring, um, not for any of the other fun reasons that people get to leave youth ministry, <laughs> uh, is it okay to help with the interview process since you might have the best or a very unique pr- perspective on your job? Yeah, so I've been a part of both of those sides of that thing. I've been I've been to a place when when where um, um, they ask your opinion and they want you a part of it. Uh, my very first full time youth job, though, I, I give you this caveat, was at a church where the former youth pastor was there for twenty years, nineteen or twenty years. She didn't leave the church; she remained in the church. She just moved up to be program director. I came in as a newbie, didn't know anything different. Uh, I was uh, at, I was finished up at Auburn and I was being mentored by uh, uh, Greg McKinnon, uh, who is of South Alabama, you know, and West Alabama, South Alabama and West Florida fame and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
he was at Auburn Methodist Church at the time serving. And um, he said, he told me about it. He said, tell me about the job. Um, he said, uh, I told him, it's like, it's going to be great. She's, she'll help me along the way. She's so awesome. He's like, yeah, you won't last nine months. He said, you are transitional at best. That's all. Cause, because they're, cause mm-hmm. she's staying, there's no hope for you in this position. Right. So uh, with that said, um, I lasted about 18 months before they ran me off. See, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> what is he? <laughs> um, no, but, but it is, it, it really depends on the church, the leadership, and obviously of the pastors. Um, uh, hopefully they at least want the opinion and the advice of, of someone, uh, if you're doing, cause if you've done uh, a great job there and they want to continue, um, Ideally, you know, you bring somebody in, you train them, and so the transition is easier, you know, for you in that process and help. Them. And but that's not always the case. Church budgets don't allow for multiple people to come in sometimes. But, um, but yeah, uh, to sit in and give your opinion and and be a part of the process, and then you leaving, I haven't seen that per se. Uh, but I know even in my current place here, every two years or so, we do a a little write-up of suggestions of people, uh, a, a continuance plan, uh, a whatever. Who who are three or four people you would want to be in your job? And we give them names of people. So that's something, you know, along along those lines, in case if something happens, uh, there are people there who you can give uh, uh, opinions to. But, but yeah. It, and I hate to be a cop-out, but it really does p- depend on the senior leadership uh, and how they feel about it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a great set of suggestions. And, you know, the, the other thing about that that uh, is different perhaps than it was, you know, more than 15 or 20 years ago, certainly is that social media aspect to things as well, right? Like just because oh, yeah. mm-hmm. physically gone does not mean that, you know, they're not still in relationship and yeah, right. being supportive or destructive, depending how things are going. Right. Oh, there's a great man. caveat to that, Chris, also, just especially <laughs> people who are just about to look for jobs or getting new jobs or something, just know that every employer will stalk you on social media. They will always look at your stuff. Always. They're not going to, oh, we didn't notice that on Facebook that you were, you know, you know, drunk staying on tables at this party or something like that. You know, it's always going to say what you put out there really does exist uh, for a long time. So, 